everyone, this is Izzy, the founder of the blog and YouTube channel, A Girl's Two Sound Sense. You are currently listening to Sounding Out, the podcast where I speak to friends, from musicians to producers to zine makers and promoters, about their experiences as women and queer femme people in the music industry. As always, please don't forget to give the podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It would be super helpful to help more people hear the podcast, and it will also get me recommended on streaming platforms. Today, I chatted with the rising Aussie horror punk band Body Horrors, whose debut single Hate Crimes is out today. Although the band is from Australia, I would say that they closely recall some of the best of West Coast hardcore punk, such as The Germs, The Bags, and X. Body Horrors is a product of everything incredible about hardcore punk, combining razor-sharp wit in their lyrics with cutting humor in their raucous sets with lyrics to songs that unpack many of the traumas that stem from growing up as an adolescent girl in a very hostile and unforgiving environment. I spoke to the band about their formation, the next generation of Riot Girls, how they composed a song entirely out of Eileen Warnos quotes, and much more. But before we get into this episode, I would like to remind my listeners that I am paying for the podcast out of pocket, so if you would like to help me make more episodes, and maybe help buy me a coffee, then head on over to my Patreon for unedited episodes of the podcast and more chill conversations with guests outside of the interview process. Those who join my Patreon will get access to patron-only video essays and exclusive voting power for future artists that I cover on my YouTube channel as well. So head on over to patreon.com slash girls2soundsense, that's girl with three R's, to subscribe. And without further ado, let's get right into this episode. Hello, how are you? you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Good. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. So why don't we get started with a little is this everyone who's joining? Um I think we have Emma joining, but she's just having difficulties at the moment. No problem. What time is it over there? It's um 12 hours away mm. from you guys so it's like just a complete 180 it's morning over here oh my goodness uh, I'm in the states yeah <laughs> eastern time where in the states are you Isabel um I'm on the east coast I'm in Massachusetts right now oh cool oh sick Emma have you joined <laughs> I think Emma joined yeah looks yes, like it sir. Yep. Sick. Hello. Hello. Would you all like to go around and introduce yourselves and what you do in the band? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My name's Georgia and I play um, bass and guitar and a bit of screaming slash singing. <laughs> um, I'm Eden. I, I play bass, guitar, and yes, I do some screaming, but not really singing. Um, I'm Isla and I play drums (laughs) and I'm Eden's sister as well and I'm Emma and I play guitar and that's it 
(laughs) Very nice. So I'm also curious about how the first formation of the band kind of coalesced. Ooh. Well, me and Isla, my sister, started by playing in a previous punk band in about 2018. And that kind of ended. And then me and Isla were jamming on some songs. And we were like, we need, we need more people because we like to collaborate a lot. Like, I can't write a song by myself. I really need help. And then we put out like a, a thing on Instagram asking who wanted to join. And then we got Georgia. Georgia was like, yeah, I want to be in it. I was like, sick, awesome. And then Josie, who's not here, she plays since messaged me saying she wanted to be in it I was like awesome great and we have Emma who we asked to be in the band just recently because we needed a lead guitarist so that's kind of kind of how it happened awesome just organizing sort of grassroots yeah like and yeah. yeah making yeah making shit happen that's amazing yeah I love it and I was wondering if you all wanted to go around and uh tell me a record that reminds you of your hometowns a record that soundtracked uh your sort of transition into adulthood and the record that they that all of you listened to more as a group when you started oh that's a really tough question (laughs) yeah I guess we like never really had like a full album that we all listened to it was kind of like I guess a bit more eclectic, like we would choose bits and pieces from bands that we liked and they kind of had a massive scope, like um, Peep Temple and then like <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously like whole, um, all the like Riot Girl bands and all that. Yeah. Um, and Show Me The Body, we covered Show Me The Body as well. Yeah. And... I mean, growing up, like, kind of in the, the Perth scene, I I watched, like, the first real formation of, like, girl punk bands. Like, I really enjoyed, they're not really gigging anymore, but Boat Show, like, the original mm-hmm. Boat Show. That was so, like, that's mm-hmm. kind of what made me want to, I don't know, play punk. Gave me kind of, like, the confidence that I could could play in front of people. I don't know. That's, yeah, really love Boat Show. Yeah, another one, um, I guess, like, same like doing the same kind of thing as Boat Show for Eden was um, a local band called Calmly. Um, yes, yes. Calmly, yeah, like, all femme lineup, um, and they kind of went for, like, more of a heavier tone as well. Um, they're sick. And also, um, oh, what are they called? They barely play anymore, but... Debbie Downers? Was it Debbie Downers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, like, Cold Meat. Like, just yeah, I was just going to say that. So good. Yeah. Like, local femme punk bands. When, when you see them, it's just like, oh, cool. Like, punks you up. Yeah. yeah. It feels like, I can, yeah. like, you can actually do this as well, especially because um, Eden and I were both self-taught, so <laughs> we were a bit nervous, I guess, to initially go into the scene. Um, yeah, were more traditionally taught and had all that knowledge. Um, but I think the punk scene was really cool because it kind of allows you to not be perfect and not be technical necessarily, um, but still feel really, really happy about what you're producing. Yeah, I love that. And 
I'm also curious to know about records that sort of shaped each of your lives when you made your first foray into the music world. Were they were there any specific names that come to mind when you started seriously getting into music? Ooh. Well, I always I just loved Riot Girl. <laughs> like I yeah. love Heavens <laughs> to Betsy. I love yeah. like Bikini Kill. Just like that's what really, really, really got me into into wanting to be in a punk band like I would see all those documentaries like give us the front and all that and I'd be like oh my goodness like I can do this too because I never really thought I could play because I'm I'm self-taught I taught myself and I was like if they can do it surely I can do it <laughs> yeah yeah I am um, I think for me one of the big influences that got coming into the scene was Jala, who's um, Melbourne-based. But um, her work, just like those albums, um, like every time I hear it, it's very nostalgic. It takes me to this certain place where I was just like, yep, let's do this kind of thing, going into music. What about you, Emma? What what music do you like? (laughs) Um, Well, I don't really like... Because I'm very new to like the whole punk scene and obviously I've only just joined the band. So, but for me, like more kind of like the classic like 90s sort of punk-ish, grungy, almost like Hole, absolute like classic, yes. like Hole is just yeah, so good. Even though yeah. Courtney loves a little bit like crazy, but it's just so good. Like it really just like gets me in the mood to just, you know, fuck it up. <laughs> and also Deftones as well. I love the Deftones. Yeah. They're yeah, an awesome yeah. band. Um, but, yeah, I, st- I don't really know that many local punk bands because I've only just kind of come into the foray a little bit. So, yeah. What are some of the earliest musical memories from your lives that you can recall? Oh. <laughs> um, being forced to play classical violin for 10 yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and I didn't really like that at all because <laughs> um, there was, like, no freedom, really. It was, like, this is right and this is wrong and you couldn't really experiment with that. So that's kind of why I like guitar now because, like, I can do what I want. I can make up whatever tuning I want and it's it's cool. It's fun. <laughs> Your tuning's in, which is always, yeah. like, for at least two minutes in between songs, like, every song. And there's just like <laughs> silence, and everyone's like, Eden? <laughs> but yeah, it's fun. Um, obviously, I did the same with Eden. I was like forced into classical violin, but I think it kind of like I'm grateful for that experience because I think it, it gave me a good foundation for like self teaching other instruments because um, it obviously meant that I could read music, obviously, violin music, not drum music, but um, it just meant that it was a little bit easier for me to do that on my own. Um, we were also taught piano briefly and then I did singing as well, um, which has kind of been fun because when Eden first started being like the front woman, she was super nervous because she hadn't done any of that before. Um, so I would just hear her like practising her screams next door because we live next to each other. Um, <laughs> I would hear her practising her screams. Like, we got noise complaints for it. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was just, it was fun because I had some of those skills from when I was taught vocal lessons that I was like, 
here's what I reckon you could do, Eden. So I think it's been helpful, <laughs> the foundation, but even if we're not doing it now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember, like, one of my first memories of music. I just was always obsessed with guitar, like, always, always obsessed with it ever since I was little. Um, and I remember mum, like, because we, because I grew up on Christmas Island, so we didn't have, like, music shops there or anything. And so mum and dad brought home this really old, shitty acoustic guitar that had, like, two strings on it when I was, like, five years old or something. And I was like, this is epic. Like, I just thought this was the best thing. Um, And then when mum went, like, came to the mainland for, like, a workshop or something, she brought back a little acoustic guitar from Perth. Oh, it was the best thing ever. I was upset. This beautiful, like, red. It wasn't wasn't that beautiful. It was like a little Ashton, like a shitty Ashton. (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that was, that was. <laughs> yeah for, for, for me, I've been playing guitar for, for so long, probably. I think I started lessons when I was about seven or eight. And even before that, when I was like three or four or something. I just I had believe like, that because you're so good at guitar. Yeah, yeah I <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, even when I was like three or four or something, we just had like, like my brother and I, we just had these shitty little like ukuleles and like really dodgy acoustic guitars. And there was just there was just always music on around the house. Like I grew up with a lot of like Australian like dad rock, quote unquote, like Midnight Oil and like Ed Cooper and that sort of thing. So I've always just had music around, which has been really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, I was. Also wondering um, what sort of the process of um, collaborating in the band is like for each of you. Like, is it sort of an organic thing that happens and then something like coalesces? Or is it, do you sometimes find it helpful to um, have a strategy of how to go forward in sessions and stuff? Um, we, We have no strategy. Um, it's like we usually one of us has a little idea it could be it's often been a bass line or a little guitar line or something and then we just have really really long jams like really long jams that are often quite messy and then we kind of start piecing things together and then disciplining ourselves and I say okay let's work on that and build that and then we just kind of go from there which is so fun because it's just so So fun yeah I've never had such a project that was I felt especially as a drama that I had a say in um because I feel like sometimes you kind of get pushed to the back and you kind of just go with whatever the bassist is doing or whatever the guitarist is doing but it was really freeing because in our jams we all fed off each other it wasn't like here's the song, now play drums to it. It was like we're creating it and we're all influenced by one another. Um, And I think it's just really special. I really, yeah, I just love Mm -hmm. our method and I think it's super um, inclusive of everyone. It doesn't 
put more emphasis necessarily on like one instrument over another. Yeah, and we always do this thing where it's like either me and George, whether we come out for an idea lyrically, that person will then sing it or like I, yeah, it's kind of like whoever, it doesn't really matter whose song it is. Like I might have done like a guitar riff, but then George does the um, lyrics for it. And then it's just, it's great. I honestly really love it. I love the collaboration that's in this band so much because like I can't write a song by myself because I would just straight up hate it. But I love all the body horror songs. Like, I don't know. I'm just obsessed with them. (laughs) And I also feel like in the writing process, there's no judgment. Um, and yeah. also in a lot of the rehearsals, obviously me and Eden might sometimes because her sisters would be like, shut up, that sounds horrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, generally there's not any um, judgment and I f- really appreciate I think that's kind of also to do with the fact that it's kind of like a, um, it's fronted by like femme non-binary people. So it's, mm. I can't really, I don't know, it's just like we're not like that and it's just so much more safe and a comfortable space to experiment and I think that's cool I've never had such a comfortable um feeling to be able to actually experiment with fun stuff without judgment that's great that's actually a good segue into my next question which is how do you guys feel that like because being big fans of um Riot Girl and I was wondering sort of how you feel that personal identity and personal experiences um, sort of seep into songwriting and stuff like that for you or even playing live. We're all so close. Like we all really um, make an effort before and after rehearsals and just when we're seeing each other to really like understand what's going on in each other's lives. And a lot of the time, because we're in such close-knit circles, our like things that we're experiencing or an event that's happened kind of seeps into all of our lives um so I think a lot of inspiration does come from that um and because we're all so open about it it makes it really easy to collaborate and make a song that expresses that feeling or that that event or something that's happened we (laughs) I guess like yeah oh George you go you go (laughs) no you go first (laughs) Um, I guess like (laughs) just events or like big things that have kind of happened around Perth or like to our friends or to us personally we kind of all have the same opinion on it and we we kind of write songs from there like and I don't know we we all kind of share the same values and ethics you know being in a punk band you have to stand for certain things um, and we're not like shy and calling out bad behavior and we do that in our songs a lot (laughs) (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah we we do have an agenda definitely with our songwriting (laughs) what we want to put out there that's great I love it a lot of people seem to um forget that a lot of um the greatest movements in music history had an agenda you know Definitely. Yeah, it's like I think um, a really big part of body horrors is that it's like we've we've got a very strong message behind the band. Like we're not just making music; we're very much like having a really fun time, but also using our platform as a way to spread awareness. Yeah, that's really important to us. What are some of um, the ways that you've sort of implemented your 
drive to spread awareness as a band. Um, I guess like all of our songs kind of have a strong message. Um, Like we have a single coming out called Hate Crimes and it's, I guess, George, do you want to take over because you kind of wrote the lyrics for it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Hate Crimes is just pretty much just we're just talking about heaps and heaps and heaps of gay stuff. Um, (laughs) And it's just like, but it's in a pretty comedic, um, lighthearted way. Yeah. But the whole song was actually inspired by um, just a really shit thing that happened to my best friend. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of, that was, like, that is a really good example of that song. Um, We sing a lot about... Um, sexual assault incidences and kind of like raising awareness about that saying it's just like not okay this is not on Um, we also like social media wise we're pretty strong on all of that stuff Um, and yeah I think like things like fundraising events we've talked about that um, as something that might happen in the future I was going to say, I guess when it comes to social media, we do, like George was saying, have quite an agenda. And when we see something going wrong in the music industry, someone abusing their power or silencing victims, anything along those lines, we really do make an effort to post about it, spread awareness, um, engage in discourse if people want to and they're interested. Um, So I think our our presence kind of does kind of stem from social media. Um, And then obviously it's still, it's paralleled when you come to one of our shows because we are explicitly talking about the same sort of things. Um, There usually is a trigger warning also at the beginning of our set um, because we use language that can be a little bit uncomfortable or triggering for some people. Um, But it all comes from personal experiences or people that we've related to Um, Like the song I Try that we open with is inspired by Eileen Wanos. Um, And, yeah, it's supposed to be sort of like an empowering anthem um, and kind of an ode to her and everything that she went through that got her to that point and how the media and everyone sort of treated her post that. (laughs) I feel like you wrote it, Eden, so you kind of, um, well, we wrote it together. Yeah, we wrote it together. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, and all of it is just, like, quotes from Eileen, what she said in interviews. But it, it does have, like, a really big message, like, dead men don't rape. That was, like, Eileen's biggest <laughs> biggest thing. And people do people do really like that song, which I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> and we open yeah. with it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And Seven Year Bitch also, like, named one of their songs after that quote. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Love Seven so Year Bitch. But yeah, that's definitely necessary, especially I remember just being gutted when that whole um, trigger warning, I'm g- about to mention Burger Records, uh, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, just when that whole thing happened, I, I, I knew that everyone who occupied powerful positions as musicians still sucked, especially when it comes to how their power enables abuse. But I don't know. It felt like it not since 
Me Too even became a global conversation and sort of got co-opted by Hollywood that that this even yeah. could become yeah. a large news story, you know? And uh, it feels like every every day, like sometimes I see master lists of like over 300 indie musicians who have abused people and online and oh. I can't I can't look at them because there's you know there's just so much there's only so much that I can take into my own brain but I'm really yeah. glad that you guys are being like so upfront and unapologetic with how you write about stuff like that and I think that we need a lot more um, like sort of riot girl revival energy, which which I'm really loving that we're seeing with new with newer bands like Vile or people like even Screaming Females. They're not a new band by any means, but they're still extremely relevant today. And um, that's actually another good segue into my next question. I I, I spoke to um, a musician named Gina Young. I don't know if you know them, but they. Um, they have a few, a few of their songs have made it onto like Riot Girl playlists and went viral on TikTok a few times. And they toured with Kimia Dawson and they opened for La Tigre at one point when they were still um, mm. making music. But they're, they're a play right now. They don't make music anymore. But I interviewed them for my blog. And one of the most compelling things that they said was the fact that Riot Girl never really died it's it's because the because the media in the early 2000s had just decided to declare it dead in the mainstream and i was sort of wondering um if you guys have any thoughts about how this sort of brewing sort of updated with 26 other countries having their own riot girl chapters now i guess it's kind um, of um cool to be part of that new revival um but I also feel like I've seen a lot of things in the past about Riot Girl not being inclusive to like people of colour and mm-hmm. um, like the 90s sort of version of that. And I think in this, um, in this new era of Riot Girl, hopefully those sort of things can change. Um, yeah, so like I guess being a bit more inclusive and, yeah, would be nice um but it's cool to be at the forefront of that so that we can spread awareness on issues and also kind of be an inspiration to younger women or younger non-binary people um or just people who haven't been in music they might be older than us or whatever it is I just kind of am really grateful that it's it's not now like oh it's the women who can't play instruments because I felt like when me and Eden were in our previous band we got that a little bit where um, people would only come up and talk to the male band member. Um, And, yeah, people after the shows would be, like, saying to the one male band member, you should find someone, like, musicians who are better at their instruments to play with. Um, So I think there is a lot more kind of throwing back to what I said before with being in a really comfortable situation with people who are either non-binary or, um, like, I guess, a woman presenting or a woman identifying. Um, it's really, yeah, it's really comforting. And I think people are less judgmental these days a little bit um, with this new revival, which is cool because it means that we can just do what we want and um, or ignore it like Eden did the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some, some guy at the end of a gig like came up to Eden because he'd been doing it to like everyone else before us and was going to, um, clearly tell her off about something because he'd done it to the other people and Eden just like blanked him and walked straight yeah. past him. 
just yeah. I just ignore I just I just gotta ignore like the men that come up to me and try to tell me I should be doing it a different way or this way I'm like I'm not even gonna give you the time of day like I, I've I've taken so much shit from men that I'm just I'm not doing it anymore <laughs> and yeah. um it's really it's really nice like in the Perth scene now because when I first came into the Perth scene there wasn't that many like bands that weren't all like white straight males um, and it was really Bojo that kind of turned that around a bit, like what they were talking about. Even Cry It Girl. Cry It Girl was really cool. Yeah, um, yeah, Cry It Girl was totally awesome. Um, and it was just like seeing more diverse lineups in Perth. Um, and there's some really great, like, all-girl um, bands coming out, like Gloss, Blue Honey, we love them. <laughs> just like... And that this was like even just like five years ago in the Perth scene, there wasn't this. And there's so many more girls, women, non-binary people making bands and everyone's so lovely and inclusive. It's really nice. And it's nice to see um, these people not just be openers. It's nice to see like these bands being like the main support, which they should be because they're really good. Not just like token bands. Yeah, like when you still see that token, it kind of, for me and Eden anyway, we've discussed it, it can be kind of shocking and you realise that you're living in kind of an echo chamber where people are in a certain scene, whether it be like the city scene, are really progressive and are really wanting to push this um, idea of um, people of colour, women, non-binary people flourishing in music, but then you kind of step out of that sometimes when bands have like all male lineups or um, sort of abuse and stuff comes out, you kind of get a shock and it it kind of makes me want to, I don't know, it just, I guess it makes you reassess how privileged we are in our little microcosm that we have in our little community. Um, and it's really, it's really cool to be in that safe space, but I think we we do always have to remind ourselves and kind of have to sober ourselves up um, when we go into different communities because it's not always the same. People aren't always into hearing people scream about um, sexual assault or, yeah, or they might just not think that we play our instruments well. And um, I guess that can be, like I said, sobering, but it's still really cool to be able to have that that little community yeah. despite it being so so hard to necessarily transplant. And you know what really gets me too is the people who like to come up to, like you said, like coming up to you and saying, oh, you should play better. Like they they love that amateurish playing stuff when it's done by the men who were at the forefront of the punk movement. They can't get enough of it. They're only keen on telling someone they can't play well if that person's a woman or presents like a like um more femme you know yeah yeah definitely um in my previous band we played a like a punk show we were the first in the lineup it was just all males apart from us and we got heckled so bad telling us to play faster and just like and we didn't get paid at all because of that we called them out um for like their bad behavior and we just did not get paid it was kind of shocking to be honest yeah Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> really, we don't it's... get heckled too much yet now, but, yeah. Thankfully, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I think people are too scared to 
we've been yeah. told people are scared of us, which I'm like, that's kind of cool, I guess. It's better than being heckled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's so funny though, because like, yeah, our music's kind of scary, but in between songs, like I've mentioned this before, but in between songs, I think either me or Eden will be speaking in between songs. But if I speak in between, between songs, I've got like a really sweet, innocent voice. Yeah. So I'll be like, thanks so much, guys. Uh. And then and then it's screaming. <laughs> and then I was like, ah. so. <laughs> I think another cool thing that um, kind of inspired us was, I guess the people who are kind of probably about five, ten years older than us. So like Eden said it in Boat Show, a lot of those people in the original Boat Show um, went on to become like individual artists. So Stella Donnelly, um, she's always been really, really big on not taking sh- like bad behavior in the music scene. Um, and same with like Jenny Aslett and um, Talia Valenti as well. I guess they've kind of been people that are in our scene and we've been able to look up to and kind of use as mentors. Um, yeah, so I guess that's pretty pretty cool and a little bit more of the community that's empowered us. Yeah, that's awesome. And you mentioned Stella Donnelly. I noticed that you guys covered her as well. How was that to sort of update her original sort of tune railing against um, awful behavior? It was super fun. It was so much <laughs> fun. And I also, um, like, just personally, I didn't uh, properly know what the lyrics were, but then like learning the lyrics and reading them properly, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is this is amazing. Yeah. This is so um, just so well said, just per- just so well said. Um, yeah, it was so much fun, though. We I think we had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. It was the first time Emma played with us as well. It was, yeah. yeah. It was. <laughs> super fun, super fun. It was her debut. Yeah, I still, I still haven't been able to perform like properly live though. Yeah, with you guys, which is a bit, bit kooky, mm. but soon, hopefully, Time hopefully on Friday. Yeah. yeah, fingers crossed. We'll make it happen. We will. We'll make it happen. <laughs> what is one song that um you guys would love for the band to cover? You can each like have your own choice. Oh, oh. Any Petrol Girls song, really. I I just love the Petrol Girls. Um, and I think we can relate to the lyric. I know me and Isla love them. <laughs> yeah, we always listen to them but, in the car yeah. and we're like, we should cover this. So good. We, we kind of already we, um, we covered the song. We or, we've already covered the song that I really wanted to cover, which was Carol <laughs> by Pete Temple. It's just funny. It's so fun. Yeah. So that's mine. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. There's too many options. I don't know. Too many songs to cover. Yeah. Um I think sometimes we kind of make a joke out of our covers as well. Like we have (laughs) touchable penis and Eden wore a strap-on and had her hair in Liberty Spikes and was just running around screaming, penis. And it's like, (laughs) 
obviously that doesn't have like a, a big message, but it's kind of, it's just fun to, to slot in the seriousness of our set and our yeah. originals with something a bit more lighthearted. Yeah. Um, but still, you still said, kind of you said detachable penis. Yeah, I yeah. For, I forgot that was even a hit at one time. What yeah. a time, huh? <laughs> so <it>. crazy. <laughs> Shout out Helene for that one. <laughs> um, also, I'm curious because I've been talking to a lot of um, people that I talk to and have on the show. One of the things that a lot of us seem to have in common is that we sort of went on some trajectory growing up online from emo as a kid and then going into like the indie pipeline through that. And I was wondering if any of you um, had that same experience. I probably went the opposite way around. Like I started like my, like growing up, I was fed like Missy Higgins. (laughs) 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 So I started on a folk realm. (laughs) and then got like a bit more like indie poppy folk and then now I'm like in this punk yeah experimental punk realm um I got on tumblr too early maybe when I was like 12 (laughs) and that sort of got me started into like kind of like old indie-ish bands which led me to like then to like Sonic Youth, which then led me to like Bikini Kill. So it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like a weird progression, but like I would like to thank Tumblr a lot for like my good music taste. (laughs) And then I would like to think that I influenced Isla a lot. I would always like be like, Isla, listen to this song. This song changed my life and kind of like forced my music taste onto her so we'd have something to talk about. Because, like, no one else I knew was listening to this music and I had to talk to it about with someone. So, like, it was really nice that Isla did enjoy it as much as I enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah, we definitely had that growing up, whether it be with, like, music, clothing, just, like, whatever we did, we were always, like, influencing each other. And I think that's been really cool to explore in music as well in a band together. Um, Because we knew from the beginning, we're like, obviously, it's going to be me and you in the band. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Just because, yeah, we've always had that connection, but it's cool to be able to extend it to amazing people like George and Josie and Eminem. Um, Yeah, it's just so lovely. And to have the different experiences with music as well, because George has um, a few other projects, but um, especially Man Sandal, and that's a little bit more, how would you describe it, George? A little bit more like... big old fusion of it's more like on an indie pop realm I think Mm. alternative bit of like folk and jazz in there yeah 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 bit rocky and then Emma Emma (laughs) yeah oh my my music (laughs) yeah yeah um I kind of I grew up just being fed rock a lot of rock and then in high school it kind of had this <laughs> so embarrassing but this really like awkward like pop punk phase I listened to so much pop punk like Blink-182 the story so far neck deep like all of those bands and then it kind of went more into like an indie pop sort of thing like like the 1975 that sort of style of music and then 
back into rock and then now punk. So yeah. It's a great trajectory. <laughs> never never be embarrassed about pop punk. I always say this. Pop punk's <laughs> pop punk is the blueprint. It often serves as a gateway. It is the blueprint. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and also out of curiosity, I wanted to ask each of you if you could travel back to any musical touchstone point in history, where would you go? I know, I know mine, 1993 Seattle, <laughs> mm. just the Seattle scene. I mean, I, I did live there for, was it three months in yeah. 2020? And the music scene there is still great, but like the 90s Seattle scene is, I would love, love to have lived through that whole reference. But <laughs> <laughs> I reckon I would maybe go like, Jefferson airplane kind of times I think that would be I could be super wrong but is that 60s yeah 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 probably then that seemed pretty funky yeah yeah I think I can see you doing that <laughs> I think I'd know what to do. I think I'd just be like, sick. <laughs> um, I think I'd go back to the 80s um, just for, like, the goth scene. I think that's pretty cool. Um, True. Yeah, and, like, all the, True. yeah, I just want to see, like, all that cool shit, you know? <laughs> I think for me it would probably be, like, the early 70s or, like, 73, 74, 75, kind of like Fleetwood Mac rumours era like just in the midst of all that that would be so good I read an interesting thing of there's a band by not a band a book excuse me <laughs> by Michael Azerod called our band could be your life have you guys heard of that book no no, no. It's basically like a chronological history of the indie hardcore punk to college rock sort of so, so like black flag replacements Husker Du stuff like that and I think the yeah. point where it, I think the point where it ends is like when Smells Like Teen Spirit first uh, broke uh, mainstream. And it's very interesting. He starts the book in the prologue with like a moment where one of the college radio or um, indie publishers um, sort of like sort of runs to the phone to pick it up when Smells Like Teen Spirit first aired on MTV and she goes we did it we won <laughs> and I was like what a hell of a way to start a book yeah we were and it's such a reminder of like how big of a moment that was because no one had expected that to happen too so I would have loved yeah. to be like a fly on the wall in that in the yeah room, like yeah that, yeah 100%. Oh my God, I got to read that book now. <laughs> Sounds so good. It's it's very interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, also, Isla, you mentioned that you love 80s goth scenes. What, what are some of your favorite bands from that era? Oh, I love um, Sisters of Mercy, obviously. Um, I love also Skeletal Family. Um, I like The Cure, like their older albums, like Pornography, Disintegration. Um, yeah, me and Eden were super into The Cure at one point together. Um, yeah. I obviously like Susie and the Banshees, which is a bit, yeah, she said some 
whack stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I just love um, goth fashion and, yeah, I would have loved to be in the first era of that as opposed to obviously we have like a few on TikTok, we have like a bit of a revival with that, um, but it would have been cool to see, I guess, the, the trad goth scene in its original form. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Like, have you ever, like, gone down, like, the tunnel of sort of, like, old videos, like, archived footage at, like, goth clubs, like, that whole rabbit hole on YouTube? It's insane. Oh, my God. It's so insane. It's so cool. (laughs) And those people are, like, probably still alive and around today. I'm just, like, I wonder where they are now, you know? Yeah. If they're still dressing the same, I would. Oh, my God. (laughs) What are some of the things that you guys feel like you all you you said earlier that um each of you sort of influence each other what's a sort of day-to-day day in the life like I think we all like maybe like mm, I don't know if this is super answering the question but we talk a lot um we do we do yeah we talk about stuff we're like passionate about that we're angry about or that we're just like eh. and we just talk and talk and we get I think we like really boost each other up and then we're like let's write a song about this and then that's kind of how that kind of influence I don't know if that quite answers the question but I feel like that's a big way yeah. like a big element of how we write we just talk yeah. a lot yeah we're very much like into knowing what's happening in each other's personal lives and we're all about like each other's mental health so we're really like just like fans of each other as well like I'm fans <laughs> of my bandmates like how they play their instruments like I'm just like fangirl like I was a fangirl of these people before they were in my band and now they're in our band and it's like wow like and yeah. I just like I feel like I appreciate everyone everyone appreciates each other um but no I feel like when writing songs maybe I I'll listen to a song and I'll be like I love we should do we should do a drum and bass bit like this and I was like fuck yeah we'll do that we'll do that (laughs) yeah I don't we we actually should probably do that more like share what we're listening to yeah thanks Isabel you're you're flagging something important here yeah yeah yeah, we should probably do do that that more yeah yeah nice that's 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 definitely important to have a very healthy communicative relationship with your band members so it's definitely important to have like that yeah that relationship where you communicate with your bandmates and like your yeah yeah and it's like it's fun whenever we rehearse because it's like I'm playing with my best friends like it's just so nice it's so nice yeah I get like actually get a bit like emotional when I think about how good we've got it, you know, like when I think about the fact that like it's just we've just created such a space, like such a safe space for ourselves and, yeah, like literally we've just become best friends and that is so cool. Like I just think that is the best thing ever. Yeah. Um, Yeah, because, yeah, like we've, you know, played with other people in the past and everything, but yeah, this is just yeah, it's so nice. <laughs> never special. been this good. <laughs> yeah. yeah this is perfect. 
<laughs> also, I was I wanted to ask if there were any um, because something I try to do with this platform and this podcast is to highlight really amazing bands who were fronted by self-identified women, queer people, queer femme people, non-binary people. I was wondering if you guys would like to give a shameless plug to any bands that you really, really love right now who are fronted by BIPOC artists or LGBTQ artists or femme artists. Lauren and the Good Guys. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, are we talking local people here? Anybody. It can be local people. It can be someone you're a fan of. It can be anybody. All right. Local, local wise. Yeah. Lauren, the good fights, as Aiden and Isla just said. Um, Girl from Mars. Yeah. Yeah. Girl from Mars. And then we've got Gloss, (laughs) who our beloved Emma plays in. Um, Yes. We love playing Gloss. And Blue Honey. Yeah. Blue Blue Honey. Honey. We love Blue Honey. Oh, so there's far? so many. So, so far, far. So yeah. far. Yeah, so far. Um, nervous as well. Nervous, yeah. 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 What are some things that you guys would like to shamelessly plug? Yeah, we've got our um, single coming out later in the year. It's all recorded and done, so that's probably the most exciting thing. Yeah. So exciting. Um, yeah. It's Hate Crimes that's coming out, yeah. don't know what else we have to plug. Um. <laughs> hopefully, like, we'll get back in the studio over summer, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. hopefully record an EP. That would be yeah. nice. We're going to have, like, a nice. party for the single at the end of the year, so that'll be super fun. And where can people find you on social media? Um, at Body Horrors Band on Instagram and body horrors on facebook um we should have some live recordings coming out through space cassette shortly as well which is fun um on a compilation album yeah excited for that with other perth like bands which is great exciting things coming soon um thank you so much for joining me guys and was great to have you on I had a blast chatting and I hope you um have an excellent rest of your weeks great and good luck with the single release hopefully soon yeah thank you so much thank you so much thank you thank you so much for listening to sounding out with Izzy and thank you so much to body horrors for joining me today You can listen to their debut single, Hate Crimes, now on streaming platforms. Thank you for listening to Sounding Out with Izzy, and thank you to Dr. Jennifer Otter Bickerdyke for joining me. Remember to subscribe to my YouTube channel. My blog is izzyshutup.com. My Instagram page is a girl's two sound sense, and my Twitter is at misanthropi. Make sure to check out my Patreon and maybe subscribe. It's only $3 a month if you can. Thank you for listening once again, and I'll see you in the next episode.